the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to a special episode of Beyond the Pitch. And I must say, if you know Big United fan, delighted to be joined with the magnificent Ronnie Mullenstein. Ronnie's been someone I've wanted to get on here for a long, 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 long time. Of course, uh, was part of one of the greatest eras in United's history and has got such a terrific track record in football. So let me welcome to the show. Ronnie, how are you doing? I'm very well, Phil. Thank you for asking. Absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. Um, Ronnie, First of all, just tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now. I know you're with the Australian national team, so how's life for you at the moment? Yeah, not easy, Phil. It's a bit difficult. Um, as you said, I'm uh, the assistant national team manager with Australia, um, together with Graham Arnold, who's the manager. We do both. Um, we do the Olympic team as well, um, which actually was a very good year for us. We managed to qualify for the Olympics in, in January, just before uh, the coronavirus um, you know, a problem set in. Uh, since then, it's been not easy. I mean, mm-hmm. the AFC have uh, postponed some of the outstanding um, World Cup qualifiers that we still have to play. Uh, they've been postponed until March next year. So it, it is a little bit difficult. Obviously, I'm, I'm based still in Manchester. I'm here. I'm looking after as much as I can after the players that play in Europe. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of phone calls and WhatsApps and everything. But, yeah, hopefully... Uh, you know, uh, we can we can turn back to normal rather sooner than later. Let's hope so. I want to ask you about a Dutch player Manchester United sent. Um, I was speaking to Franz Hoek about him, uh, who of course knows him well, uh, and he was giving me interesting perspective. Tell me, how do you see Danny van der Beek fitting into a Manchester United midfield three? Uh, well, he's uh, what I like about Donny. He's uh, he's a very um, versatile player. That means he's not stuck to one position. Mm-hmm. He's very, very intelligent. Uh, he, uh, his movements, you know, to find uh, to find the spaces and the gaps. He understands, you know, the importance of one and two touch football, and and especially in very tight areas in and around the box, he's, he's he can come up with, you know, um, really clever passes, you know, um, to set players up to score goals, and even he can score a goal himself. So. I always feel, Phil, that good players will always find ways mm-hmm. to play well with other good players. So, whatever Ole Gunnar Solskjaer decides, what sort of midfield three he puts together. Um, and for me, Donny at the moment has come mostly off the bench, apart from maybe one one cup game. Uh, but I can see him. Uh, I can see him starting. Um, you know, in, in in one of the next few games. Yeah, hopefully he starts against Newcastle this weekend. Um, <clears throat> when you look at that midfield three, is there any concern for you about not having enough defensive coverage and a Pogba, Fernandez, Van der Beek three? It is, especially in certain games you can get away with it. I think mm-hmm. United should always have so much power and authority uh, in, in terms of, especially in playing at home, you know, to dominate possession and, and to pin the opposition back and move them around. And, and you need... You know, those three, three players should have absolutely no problem. Uh, and especially if the front three do the right, you know, the right job in terms of closing the opposition down quickly, you know, and to rush them into, uh, you know, to kicking the ball upfield, you would regain possession quickly. And, and then you go again. In, in other games against better opposition, then, yeah, you, you have to say that 
Both of them are very attacking minded going forward. I'm sure that Donny van der Beek and, and Bruno Fernandes are both very much capable of doing a, defender, a defensive job as well. But you don't want uh, almost to say to take to take their attacking threat away in, in, in filling them with, with defensive jobs. I think, you know, in some ways, uh, you know, the, the bigger problem that has been is it's with Paul, you know. Paul is, mm-hmm. is not really, um, you know, a defensive-minded player. And and then you have to start to say, OK, who is who is at the moment um, best equipped to do their job? Obviously, he, he can play Matic there, he can play McTominay mm-hmm. there or Fred. It doesn't really matter that much, but those are by far more defensive-minded players. Why, when you look at Paul Pogba... United fans are mixed. Why do you think Paul Pogba hasn't been the player United had hoped they'd send? It's a very good. It's a very good question, Phil, because obviously he has come with with very high expectations and uh, and, and a big price tag. And for whatever reason, he, in my opinion, he's never really fulfilled, you know, the full potential that we, we've all hoped for—a dynamic box-to-box midfielder that drives the ball forward that create chances and score goals. For some reason, you know, uh, he's almost sort of playing with a handbrake on and he's obviously had his fair share of injuries as well. Maybe maybe it has to do with obviously not being able to fulfil those high expectations, you know, that it, 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 he maybe struggles a little bit with it. Um, again, maybe the position. I think Paul is that sort of guy that you probably would, would see the best of him if you give him that sort of free free role uh, in, in terms of uh, being able to link the midfield and, 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 uh, and the front players mm-hmm. but obviously Bruno Fernandes has come in and Bruno Fernandes is, is giving United different dynamics you know uh, mm-hmm. Paul has been you know a bit of it laboured and I think the biggest problem of what he's had of late is that he's given you know he's given possession away so easily in the midfield at times and that, what, that, that, that has hurt United at times um, and that is something that needs to be worked on you, I mean, United, since you've left, uh, just haven't been able to f- recover any type of consistency. You know, I know, understand Ferguson was very, very difficult to replace. Why do you think it's been such a difficult period for United over the last seven years where they can't even get close to winning the title? Well, it's been difficult because, in my, in my opinion, Phil, they have mismanaged the uh, and anticipated the the period of Sir Alex Ferguson leaving. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I can always remember having a chat with uh, with David Gill uh, in, in in pre-season. I think it was around 2011 when we were away and sat down for a coffee. And I said to David, "Your biggest challenge is to manage Man United uh, after the departure of Sir Alex Ferguson, mm-hmm. because what Sir Alex Ferguson has created over the years." Um, uh, you know the consistency and the stability that has been there for so, so many years, uh, which which he is obviously uh, you know the, 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 the main driving force, so to speak. So if he leaves, you need to start thinking about what what are the what things do we need to have in place to make sure that it's going to be a smooth transition. And there's only two ways basically to do that. It's whether you're going to look from within and make Sir Alex Ferguson a massive part of that transition. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he finishes and he walks out the door the next morning. No, he, we know, everybody knows he's going to leave. But within the structure of the club, he's been part of finding it and guiding that person or those persons in it into it, to making sure that you keep that consistency 
and stability within the club. The second track is if Sir Alec Ferguson does leave and you have to bring somebody from outside. And when it happens then, most likely, those people will bring in their own people with their own ideas, their own philosophies, and they are not necessarily in line with what Sir Alec Ferguson had been doing for the last 26 years. Mm -hmm. So that's the core of the problem. And, and that problem has become visible the moment Sir Alec Ferguson left and David Moyes came over, and the problem has basically just grown bigger and it's not been has not been solved uh, you know up to now you know um and, and like i said yeah like you said it is it is it is already seven years um you know and and still they're looking quite a bit off in challenges for the title which that is unheard of to be fairly honest of united yeah look i mean i said this earlier i said the club that they inherited was a club where it was unthinkable they wouldn't you know it wouldn't be in the top four and i We've become Arsenal. Um, would have, I've often wondered, would Fergie have gone the year before if you know, it hadn't have given the league away? Well, City won the league in, in dramatic circumstances. I don't think he wanted to go out like that. Would he have gone the year before if you know, had won the league? I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't answer that. Phil. I don't mm -hmm. think so, to be fairly honest, mm -hmm. because like I said, I, I was very surprised. Obviously, when the news broke, I had mm -hmm. no inkling whatsoever. Uh, it's never been it's never been discussed. Uh, I think he never discussed it with uh, with with any member of staff. He, he, at least, well, he didn't discuss it with me. And it's, it's, it's uh, you know uh, it's in his own right to do that. Um, so it, it it came it came a bit of um, you know obviously as a you know as a surprise. But obviously with with David Gill announcing that he was leaving as well in March. Um, I never thought about it. I never thought I made much out of it, to be fairly honest. But in hindsight, mm -hmm. you have to say that that you know that could have been a bit of a sign on the wall um, in that respect. But having said that, the, the, the reasons are are known to everybody. Obviously, he was he was obviously not getting any younger. Uh, family reason played a big part, and uh, you know you have to respect that decision when it comes. Is it a different football club today, Rani, than the one you left? Oh, definitely. I, I have to say, Phil, and people ask me whilst I was working there, you know, and I've been there for a long time since 2001 initially mm -hmm. with the, uh, you know, with the academy as a skills development coach and then mm -hmm. had a year as the uh, the reserve team coach and eventually as the first team coach. And uh, people are asking me to say, you must have the best job in the world. And I said, yeah, I do. I, I honestly, I loved every minute of it. Mm -hmm. and, and to be fairly honest, Phil, you know, when you're there and obviously Manchester United always had the highest of highest expectations of themselves in terms yeah. of, you know, they wanted to compete for everything. It was not like uh, if we're going to win something, it is what well, it was every year, what, what we're going to win this year. And, and the priorities were very straightforward, you know, Premier League, mm -hmm. Champions League, FA Cup, and then maybe uh, other trophies on, on show as well. Uh, but I never really felt any kind of pressure in that respect because Sir Alex Ferguson man managed uh, everybody you know, um, in, within the club uh, and around the, the coaching staff so well uh, that, you know, like I said, I loved every minute going into Carrington and working with those, you know, top, top class players. Mm -hmm. It was a top-notch environment. Uh, you know, uh, the manager delegated a lot, trusted the staff in what they were doing and the players responded. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely changed um, from then on. But there you go. So, Alex Ferguson was obviously... The key figure in it all. When you look at United's result last week against Spurs, 
Um, lots of different things that concerned me. Um, the capitulation of the players, the lack of character of the players. Um, what, when you watched that, what concerned you the most? Uh, the first thing, it, 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 and it might sound strange a little bit, it it, it not necessarily came to me as a, a, a huge surprise. I mean, you probably remember that you know, so many years ago, we we had one of those, you know, uh, incidents when we lost the city, city yes, at home. I do. Yes. And I've got <laughs> asked, I've got asked that question, and they were asking, so how do you deal with it, and, and how do you whatever? And I said, listen, the first thing. It was. It wasn't really a trend. It was an incident, right? Mm -hmm. we, we we didn't we didn't play badly before, and we didn't play badly after that. So it wasn't really something. The one biggest thing that always fell was Sir Alex Ferguson while we were there. We were, we never got carried away with the highs. We would never got carried away with the lows. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the start of the season of United, and I think you have to take the, the comeback of the lockdown into it as well. They actually started fairly well. After mm -hmm. coming back in the lockdown, they played well. They they, they 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 had some good results, got a lot of goals. But what I think has definitely had an impact is them losing all the semi-finals, every single mm -hmm. one of them. And and United is about getting to finals and winning finals. And that must have had a bit of a, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, left a bad taste in it. And, and obviously, when they've come back in the season, it's not really, you know, they have definitely not hit the ground running because Crystal Palace, we know that. Brighton, they got away with it because of the individual qualities, but that could have turned mm -hmm. out differently. So it was not like I didn't expect a six-one. What I did expect was a you know a difficult game. And like you said, what is the thing that concerns you the most? Is for me is quality in certain areas, lack of lack of urgency. I always felt that in the times that we were at United, the United were at its best. I always felt we played with conviction and authority. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We yes. are in charge. No matter who we are up against, we decide the tempo. We we decide whether we want to keep the ball and knock it about. We decide or whether we, whether we're going to counter and play with pace and utilize spaces. But in this moment in time, I feel United has has got a lot a lot of good players, and these good players can decide games for United. So on a given day, they can beat any opponent, but at the same token, they can also lose to anybody. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and and that is what I miss, the sort of a bit of lack of identity, you know, what United always stood for, you know, urgency, drive, pace. Um, like I said, I'm probably maybe said it on, on other programs as well, Phil, I can remember Ferguson speaking to me about what he wanted to see from an attacking sense when he saw United. Mm -hmm. And he said, if I close my eyes and I want to see United at its best, I want to see them attack with speed, power, penetration and unpredictability. Mm -hmm. Those were the four ingredients. And if you think back to the games that we played in United were on show and on song, that's what you saw. And I don't see that. You know, it, 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 it's a little bit, it, it's a bit laboured. It's, it's hot and puff. The tempo sometimes is show. And again, like I said, on occasion, Rashford, Greenwood, Martial, Fernandes, they can all come up with something special. But as a unit, as a unit, it is not like, it's not clockwork. Do United look like a well-coached team to you, Ronnie? Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the one thing that Ferguson always used to say to me, I don't know whether they're well-coached or not coached, but I can just speak from, from when I was there, and he used to say to me, listen, Rene, everything you do in training will manifest itself in the game, mm -hmm. good and bad. And we expect a world-class performance from those players 
a lot of the times, three times a week. The remaining days, they have to expect the world-class performance from us as staff to make sure that they can make those performances. So we didn't waste any time in training. A lot of times I feel that coaches come with the excuse, yeah, the players have no time to train because we got another game and we got another game. It says that might be the case, but the time that you need, that you have, you need to use well. So again, back to whether they coach well or not, what, what, what it is show, because if again, it manifests in the game, and what we're seeing at the moment is this inconsistency in the performances. You know what I mean? If, you, mm-hmm. if I ask you, Phil, if I ask you now, Phil, what do you expect from the game you know, against Newcastle? Do you, do, you, do you know what you're going to get? Yeah, I know. You're right. I don't know what's going to happen. And, well, exactly. And, and, and that's, that's basically, that's, that's unlike Manchester United. But mm-hmm. they need to galvanise very, very quickly because the problem that they've had after that defeat... The, pro- the, the good thing that we had when we lost to City, we had a cup game against all the shots three days later. Mm-hmm. You want to get on the pitch as quick as you can. You want to address it. We didn't dwell on it because we knew it was an incident and not a trend. We, we beat, we, we won the game against all the shots, 3-0, and the next game was away to Everton and we won 1-0. Back on mm-hmm. track. Simple. That's yeah. what it is. United have had no, Ola and his staff had no chance to basically work with those players because of internationals. So yeah. they're coming back and the first thing they're going to be reminded of, all oh, right, we had this 6-1 drubbing against uh, Tottenham. Jeez, you know, yeah. what, what do we need to do now? And they only have two days to get prepared for the Newcastle game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's not good. And then they have Paris Saint-Germain. You yeah. know what I mean? So the, it, it is going to be a hell of a challenge to, to get those players back, believing, listen, these are the basic things that need to be done right. Yeah? And, and, and making sure that it's a good organisation, you work hard, you compete. That, you know, like you mentioned it before, a lack of urgency. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You, Ferguson always used to say, Phil, uh, working hard is a quality. Yeah, it's not something that, you know, it's a quality. And mm-hmm. it's the, the most important quality, you know, that, that drives talent to success. So if that working hard is not there, you can forget success. It's not going to come. I want to ask you about United's fullbacks because one of the things that um, I, I'm a layman, so you help you help me here. One of the things that's odd to me is how narrow United's fullbacks are. We saw it against Brighton, where Brighton were attacking them out wide. They conceded a goal in the last minute. They were lucky to win the game. Uh, we saw it again at the weekend against Spurs. Mourinho clearly targeted United's fullbacks. Um, why do those fullbacks come so narrow? Well, it's, it's probably a tactical. It's a tactical decision, you know. And they they look at the opposition, what they're up against. Obviously, they think to themselves, we got Harry Kane and we got Son, you know, who's quick and Lamella. So they're playing against three. So they think, well, make sure that we don't leave uh, too big a gap between the the fullbacks and the centrebacks, because mm. then you know those players can make forward runs in behind the centrebacks, and then we have got even a bigger problem. But yeah, you have to then cover that. It's not a problem being the fullback so narrow. You need to make sure that the rest has been covered mm-hmm. by maybe you know the, the wide players or yeah, right, the midfield players, depending how mm-hmm. of the players how you set up. And if that's not the case, because, you know, uh, if you're only playing with one holding midfielder, he will never be able to cover the width of the pitch. So if you then keep your forwards like Rashford and Greenwood higher up the pitch, then automatically. You know, if those fullbacks push on, especially if you use the switch to play well, yeah, you can you can have a lot of you can have a lot of problems. Well, you can now see why Mourinho was playing those forwards so deep um, because I don't think he trusted those particular fullbacks. Um, they brought in Alex Tellez. Uh, Wan Bissaka is 
good defender in that great going forward. He still has to develop his game. What do you think Alex Tellez brings to United? Well, that is probably one of the things. If I look at him, I, I don't know him, let's say, uh, you know, so well. But what I've seen of him, you know, in, in, in the national team and, and Porto and the place, he, he does like to go forward. He's not afraid to carry the ball, uh, you know, uh, with his feet. Um, so they hope, obviously, that United is going to have, you know, a forward going left fullback that can create something in the final third as well. Uh, most importantly, for me as well, is, is how good is he, uh, you know, from a defensive point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, again, the thing is this for me, Phil, as well as and people sometimes underestimate it, it's just you're bringing players in and Bruno Fernandes has been a fantastic player uh, you know, positive example because he's come from the Portuguese league and he settled in so well in the Premier League because it's not easy to settle in that quickly, you know, because mm-hmm. the Portuguese league, you know, you cannot compare with, with the Premier League. So hopefully Talas has been able to do the same thing. Would you have sent Cavani? Uh, me personally, no. Do you think he's worth... No. Uh, why would you not have sent him, Rene? No, because I think, you know, again, he, he's obviously, you, look, you need to look at his, listen, he's been a player that had a great career, he's got a proven uh, goal-scoring record, he's obviously uh, played in, in Paris Saint-Germain, you know, who win the league every time with 25 to 30 points, every mm-hmm. team you play against, you get three, five, or maybe eight, or maybe ten chances, so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a bit easier with all the world-class players that you've got to, uh, to score those goals. He has not played for six or seven months. And again, he's 33 year old. The Premier League is a different animal. I, I, you know, I've seen it with Higuain. We've seen it with Falcao, mm-hmm. uh, Morata, even. You know, mm-hmm. especially as a striker. You know, because you know you can't expect Cavani to uh, to go and press. You know, high up front. What I, what I did say before, I do think that that United needs a really world class out and out striker. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I I think, for instance, you know, just just you know talk out of the box a little bit but let, let's assume that for instance United would have signed Lewandowski last year yeah. I mean you look a completely different outfit completely different outfit you know mm-hmm. Lewandowski up front another good centre back in, in, in there you know that, that sort of can compensate Harry Maguire or your, whatever combination you make and then you've got you look at the midfield you look at the forwards you look at the wing and suddenly United looks a completely different different side um, but yeah obviously they hope to uh, you know to uh, to solve the problem with with bringing Cavani in, and uh, again, it's uh, it's interesting to see how um, you know how he is and where he is fitness wise, and, and when when we're going to see him. It's disappointing. Six months before that, they were after Holland, and they should have got him. Uh, and we'd be talking 100%. about a whole different conversation. Um, when I ask you about two things, uh, Harry Maguire, how how highly do you rate him, and do United need another centre back? Yeah, Harry. Again, he's again as a player that's been brought, and just because United came knocking on the door, his price tag has been uh, has been pushed up. You know, uh, mm-hmm. what is it? Was it eighty million mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy numbers, and especially in the, in, the, in the current climate that we're living mm-hmm. in. Uh, but Harry is is an intelligent player. And he's good in the ball, and I think defensively he has got his deficiencies, and that that comes a little bit because of. The way he's physically built, he's a tall guy, but mm-hmm. he's quite heavy on his feet. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's not not the most agile in tight areas, and so if he commits himself and he and he misses, 
you know, of missed times, you know, the challenge or whatever, then you know you you're gonna you're gonna see problems, and that is what we've seen. And uh, so most likely you need somebody that can comp- compensate that, you know, in in terms of pace and agility. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the the defensive partnership that we had with Rio Ferdinand yeah. and, and the Mania Vins, it yeah. was the perfect partnership. Yeah. It was the perfect partnership in terms of speed, agility, uh, playing uh, qualities, and 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 the Mania who was, you know, uh, the the uh, well probably the best central central defender uh, in his time in, in in the Premier League, maybe in Europe. You know, strong in the air, quick, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, challenges so that also allowed us to sort of push the fullbacks on because we knew we had two Santa fullbacks Santa backs there that could that could deal with one v one or two v two situations yeah it's it's just uh, you're quite right they're very very different defenders and they complement each other I want to ask you one final question running why you say uh, thank you so much for doing this it's been an absolute privilege I wanted to do this for so long and uh, it's great to get this insight um, is, in your opinion, is Solskjaer the right man for the job? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's no. It's, I can understand. It's, 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 um, I can understand your question, Phil. But I hope you also understand <laughs> the answer that I'm going to going to give you. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I could fully understand that United, uh, you know, first of all went for Oli to sort of re-establish the link between the sort of manager and, and the fans, you know, bring somebody mm-hmm. in that understands the culture and identity of the club and, and let's see where we, let we, let's see where we go from there. But because of the, you know, the, the positive impact that, that he had or Mourinho leaving, I think that was more the case because I think, you know, you could have also put uh, Rio Ferdinand in front of that group or, or Ryan Giggs and you would have mm-hmm. had the same, the same outcome because the players basically had to prove with Mourinho leaving that it was not their fault right yeah I always say and I'm a, I've been a manager myself Phil you know I've always mm-hmm. said listen every manager needs to have in and around it takes an eight, around 18 months to basically get his ideas across to shape the team that he wants and to get them going we, we are almost I think we are just there around this moment in time you know mm-hmm. that, that you're going to get and the the, the, the the importance the important thing is is to making sure that he gets the team playing in in a, in, in, in a way that obviously is what Man United fans want to see and more than anything is getting back to winning ways so I I strongly believe that Oli knows the club very well he knows what's expected of the club uh, he's probably maybe a little bit disappointed. Uh, with with himself, with with everybody around them, that they haven't made the steps that they were going to make. Um, you know, I'm not going to be the person to say, "Listen, you need to replace him. We need to keep him," because, yeah. like I said, I've been in that situation myself, uh, and that doesn't help. That just creates headlines, and uh, and that's not what I'm prepared to do or not to do fear uh, for. Because, like I said, I I'm, I'm a United fan. You know, more than anything, I wish everybody the best. I know Ollie very well. I wish him the very best. And I hope he gets it right rather sooner than later. Would you come back, Rennie? <laughs> well, that's, again, that's another. That's, that's, that's another another question. And uh, and again, it, it's not relevant because I've never been I've never been forced to ask. You know, you you ask me now. But listen, United has been the biggest part of my my footballing life, and and I had, you know, the most 
utmost fantastic memories uh, that I will treasure forever. And, uh, you know, never say never, let me put it that way, Phil. Nah, listen, Rana, you were, obviously, United fans love you. You were brilliant. And I remember a lot of the academy videos of bringing through some of those fantastic young players that you brought through. United are friendly investing in the academy again. We'd love to see you back there. We wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, I very much appreciate it. Uh, and uh, Rani, I wish you all the best in the future, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, pal. Bye. <clears throat>